blood of the child is pure now. In death, it gives you life. The cycle is complete. Uh, yeah, we've, we we're planning on doing the uh, Mission Impossible 3 here. Uh, we will be getting that out later next week. Uh, sadly, in Hollywood news, we just found out, obviously, that William Friedkin has passed away. One of the best directors of the 70s, if not the best director of the 70s. We talk, you hear about Coppola and Lucas and Spielberg, but I think it's Friedkin who just was more of a balls-to-the-wall kind of director. Didn't take shit from pe- people and certainly didn't take shit from his actors. They're paying to do a job. He'll damn well make sure that they do it. Hurricane Billy, he was known as. Yeah, whether you, you slap the priest or you, you you fire the gun off on the set, whatever whatever reaction you need from your actors, you'll make sure you'll get it. <laughs> Apparently, Jason Miller squared up to him and offered him a fight on the set of The Exorcist. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past it. Wouldn't put it past it. Yeah, um, but William Friedkin, we talked to him a couple times, obviously with The Exorcist and The French Connection, and then he did like Sorcerer and To Live a Night, Die in L.A. Uh, those are the ones I know him for. Like most directors from the '70s and '80s, they kind of weird, weird away in the '90s. Uh, you can say the same thing, sadly, about Carpenter. You can say the same thing about De Palma. You can say the same, you know, they like uh, as the 2000s hits, at least uh, they kind of faded. Uh, did a couple of independents here and there, but nothing uh, like the like the like the spark they had in the seventies and their eighties and the earlier of their careers. So we're going to tackle a couple of films by him. Uh, the first one is going to be a film that no one realized he did. Uh, maybe that's a good thing, <laughs> uh, or not. We'll talk about it, and then we will end this little retrospective next week with "To Live and Die in L.A.," which is uh, I. Remember it being ballsy, and I remember it uh, doing something different that you didn't see in Hollywood with its leading man. And we'll certainly talk about that when we get to To Live and Die in LA. But today's film is The Guardian. Ooh. Yeah, and apparently, um, whenever he wrote his autobiography, Freakin didn't mention two films at all in his autobiography, and this was one of them. Yeah, this wasn't really well received. I remember seeing it in the theater. Uh, me and my friend saw everything in the theater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a horror film, hour and a half, harmless enough. Uh, but like we always say, through the podcast eyes, uh, does it still have that little nostalgic feel for myself? Or does it kind of like, what the fuck was I think and feel? I remember um, whenever it was released, I was about 12, 13, and I used to buy Fear magazine. And there was a big feature on it, and they were making a big thing out of it, um, you know, because it was basically Freakin's first horror film since The Exorcist. You know, it was quite a big thing. I remember Fear had a cover and stuff, you know, with the tree, you know, with yeah. faces and all on it and that sort of thing. Yeah, it was 17 years until he did this, until he went back to horror. And uh, he wasn't going to do it because he wasn't supposed to do it. As you probably all know, it was a Sam Raimi film. And who's ever seen The Guardian, it is definitely has Sam Raimi's uh, style um, in it. It reminds me a little bit of like Drag Me to Hell. And I think that's what they were trying to do originally. They were going for a, not, I, don't, I don't like using the word slapstick, but you know Sam Raimi has that childish horror-esque quality to him. Um, and like Drag Me to Hell and the Evil Dead films. So... You can see that kind of being this is the direction they were going to go. But Sam Raimi had to leave production due to he was offered by the same production company, Universal, to do a wonderful film, and I'm glad he's done it, Dark Man. Dark Man's great. So they asked Freakin to come on board. Uh, Freakin, I believe, was under contract with Universal for another picture. So he just says, okay, I'll be a gun for hire. But... Being freaking the way he is, uh, control freak. And again, it's his film now. He has the right to do so. So this is where the trouble might have lied. It laid, laid, laid. Yeah. Laid. So yeah. it was written, the, the original novel is called The Nanny, 
by Dan Greenberg. Um, I don't know if that was a comedy or not. I have no idea about the book. I'm not here to judge it. I haven't read it either. Uh, but the screenplay was written by a man called Stephen Volk, who uh, has some pretty really nice street cred. He did a film in 1989 or 88 that I really liked called The Kiss mm-hmm. with Joanne Bakula. You guys want to see a film that no one ever saw? <laughs> Stephen uh, has a great CV overall. As, he's, as got, a, he's got some yeah. pretty... He's, he's really into goth horror. Yeah. Um, he even did a film called Gothic yes, in, the, but- in, the, in the mid-80s. So if you want to see the film, Joanne Bakula... Uh, the Kiss, nineteen eighty-eight. It's quite gory. And I remember, I like a dismemberment scene. That's pretty good. So if you like your gore, you know that eighties gore that you're, you know, bad taste and all these films that were coming out. This kind of has that feel. Um, and then he did one recently called The Awakening uh, with Rebecca Hall. So he's he's kept active, but this film could have changed that. Hey, Stephen Volk is also a great writer of prose as well, a very successful writer of prose. But I would say as well, in 1992, he wrote a TV um, sort of docudrama. Well, it was, it, was, it was a spoof documentary called Ghostwatch for the BBC. It was hugely controversial at the time. It was um, basically primetime BBC. And it was basically well-known presenters like Mike Smith and stuff um, investigating if ghosts were real. It was all a complete setup, but it was so realistically done. It um, basically the BBC were inundated with floods of complaints, and you know it was it was certainly a very very memorable one um, back in the early nineties in the UK anyway. But that that was written by Stephen Voke, so it wasn't. Stephen, I, I've met Stephen and we interviewed him for the magazine and he spoke about um, his relationship, let's just say, with Blatty, or not Blatty, sorry, excuse me, um, Freakin on, you know, The Guardian. And um, yeah, it, it was it was tough going. According to Stephen in his interview about The Guardian, it was, and w- what he said, basically, um, yes, um, like you say, Sam Raimi was um, originally on board as director and they were going to go down the more Sam Raimi-esque comedy horror route. But then Freakin came on board when Sam Raimi left, and um, yeah, um, Stephen says that yeah, you know, obviously great director, but he's not a very funny guy known for his comedy. So um, the tone of the film then completely changed, and Freakin then sort of asked for multiple um, rewrites of the script from Stephen Voke, and and apparently it was not a pleasant experience for him. Let's just say, I mean, obviously I don't know and I don't want to speak on behalf of Stephen Voke, but um, I'm just going by what I've read and, you know, the interview that was done for him, with him for Phantasmagoria magazine. Um, well, you know, screenwriter's job is to write the script and the rewrites can are going to happen no matter what. Um, at the end of the day, they don't own the property. It's going to be the studio and the director. Yeah. So, but I can understand the frustration because if you go from <laughs> a Sam Raimi, you know, balls of law comedy horror, which you know you're gonna have fun doing, and then yes. you have Freakin come in who's just the complete opposite. Yeah, of Sam Raimi style, like, you know. Yeah, in terms of tone. Yeah, you're chalk and cheese. Is that what they say? Or yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna suck. Um, and the, and the one thing I can say, Freakin. It probably wasn't the kind of guy who would sit down and go, I understand your concern, Stephen. Mm-hmm, tell no. me more. He'd tell you, go fuck yourself. This is what we're doing. Change it. Yeah, he sounds like a very, let's just say, um, he was a, perhaps a, a very headstrong sort of person guy. You know, yeah. um, freaking, um, certainly by, you know, not just what I've sort of heard about, you know, this film, but also The Exorcist as well, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I would love, I'd love to get, you know, uh, Mr. Volk, on this podcast because yeah. I would love him to just talk about his experience with working with Freakin. I need to learn about Freakin' style and are the rumors true? Yeah. <laughs> or, and But also, we never hear from a screenwriter's perspective Yes, exactly. of having, yeah. of having to go through. You write something and you're proud of it and then some, and you're all ready to go. You've got Sam Raimi on board and then another big name director comes who's a control freak and just fucking guts it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, it'd be great to hear from just to, um, you know about the, the screenwriting process in general, and you know not just these experiences with you know Freakin and Ran Raimi, but also you know just general experiences with screenwriting and writing for television as well. 
Well, the artistic process starts with them. So yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe 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 down the road that'd be kind of that'd be a fun one. Yeah. All right. So we're here to talk to the Guardian. Uh, nice small group of people. Jenny Seagrove plays Camilla. Dwyer Brown plays Phil. Carrie Lowell, the lovely Carrie Lowell, plays Kate. Brad Hall, the comedian, didn't really get that. Ned, and wasted cameo by the great late Miguel Ferrar, plays Ralph. Then you got Molly, Gale, and Alan. There we go. All set. Yeah. Now, uh, here's what pisses me off. I'm going to read you something. This is what the opening... <laughs> I'm sure... Which I'm shocked, Trevor, you don't think this is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> why? Uh, you're gonna, well, I'll tell because, you why. Because Miguel's in it from Twin Peaks? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fuck, I was waiting for that one. No, nope, because of the prologue. Yes. There's a prologue that states, For thousands of years, a religious order known as the Jewish worshipped trees. <laughs> yeah, well, Sometimes, was... no, let me finish, please. Go ahead. Sometimes even sacrificing human beings to them. To these, wor- to these worshipers, every tree has its guardian spirit. Most are aligned with... with Goodness and life, but some embody powers of darkness and evil. What the fuck is with you people and trees? <laughs> it's the witch, the witch, the fucking hereditary, the fucking wicker man. I think it's a tree. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but right. it's the stupidest. And I will say this now: of over the witch and hereditary, at least this tree is is creepy. It kills people. <laughs> yes, at least this tree uh, does something. It, it, no, it, it gets back. It, no, there is a historical context to all of this. You know, back to the whole sort of druids and the pagan roots and stuff, where they would worship trees and things like that. So there, it, it actually it, it has its bases in real life history. Um, if this film was released today, it would be known by the modern term folk horror. Um, it is very much a folk horror, but I would say as well that for me personally, anyway. Folk horror, I, uh, you know, every sort of country and every sort of society has their sort of folk horror, in quote marks, legends. However, for me personally, I think folk horror works best um, whenever, and I think this film would have worked best if it was set in Britain and the UK because it would have tied in more with the old folk legends and w- with Stephen Vogue, who wrote it, you know, being, um, you know, British, he's Welsh. Um, and again, I haven't read the original novel, uh, so maybe it's in that as well. So I can't comment on that. But certainly, I believe this type of folk horror works better when it's set in the UK, um, not America. Um, so, but you know, th- there's definitely a, um, a real life historical context to all of that. If you go back to the Druids and the sort of, you know, the the pagan, the, the sort of those old religions and stuff. So yes, yeah, you know, they would have worshipped trees and things like that. So thanks, Stonehenge. Here's the funny whole Halloween three. Um, yes, a hundred percent. Halloween three ties in with that completely. Uh, so here's what I don't fucking get. This movie got bad reviews. Blah blah. I can tell you now, guys. It's not a terrible film. Yeah, it's, it's eight late eighties, early nineties horror film. And in the eighties, you get bombarded with direct-to-video horror films that were horrible. And this. As we can say, we always say competency behind the lens. You do. You got to, and the screenwriter, I got to give credit for because here's a guy who wrote something that was supposed to be into a completely different subgenre and he's been asked to tweak it. And you know what? It doesn't, it still works. So, a lot of the pressure that was given to him and for freaking having to come in to change the incomplete I, the direction it was supposed to go. It's not bad. It's yeah. I think it kind of gets a kind of a bum rap. Yeah. So, but I'm not saying it's you know we'll dive into it. But my point is, if this fucking film came out today, I won't mention names, but it, he's in, he's on the podcast with me now. <laughs> would say this is his name rhymes with um, Kevin Ranity. Yeah. <laughs> it's he'd say this is a fucking epic. Because this is not this is the exact same shit that we're getting from you fucking elevated horror don't, fans. Don't, don't say that word. Don't don't fucking say that that, that phrase. Elevated horror. I, I, I am a horror. I, I'm a horror fan. Not a uh, neither a fan of. Well, elevated, that is you know. geared toward the people you know what I'm talking about. 
I know what you're saying. All these films with fucking trees are fucking, oh my God, this is so, this is the exact same thing. And I'll tell you what. Yes, it's full This is better executed than most of them. Now, the acting, Hereditary and the Witch, all have better acting, don't get me wrong. But this has a good beginning, middle, end, and you're done. You walk away from it. Yeah. Yeah, but it is it is full horror. I I I don't like that phrase elevated horror. That's like um you know I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, don't, don't go there. Don't, no, don't fucking go there. I am because <laughs> people all love it. So I'm gonna come after you. No, no, I that. like certain films that have been sort of termed as um, you elevated fucking horror. Love anything like hereditary with, with trees. Like yeah, 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 fucking creepy trees. Fucking play, if you wanna blame me my love of creepy trees and yeah. you know, blame blame evil dead. You fucking have <laughs> you have a hard on for fucking Return of uh, for fucking Return of the Jedi because of fucking uh, fucking Ewok Andor, land. yeah Andor. You even know the fucking name. Yeah, well, it's a moon. You're probably like, oh my god, look at that tree. Yeah. Oh my god, it's beautiful. Blame the Evil Dead. That started me. Oh, oh, oh that's sort of you know, the creepy oh, tree thing. When's the tree gonna rape the Ewok? <laughs> what fuck? <laughs> that's, a, that's not a nice thought. Uh, I know. Uh, oh, well, we're going PG there, so I had to jump into an R real quick for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so this is funny. I'm going to go on a rant here for about a, just a minute or two. Go ahead. All right, so we meet, uh, is the Sheridans? The, yeah, the Sheridans. Yeah. They're the opening At act. the beginning, yeah. Yeah, okay. There's Because there's the Sterlings and the Sheridans. They should never do that in movies. Mm-hmm. They should never have similar kind of style names. They should always do change it up because... You got to go, who's the Sheridans? No, they're the Sterlings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. But so, different anyways, like, but whatever. <laughs> you got the fucking Sheridans. Uh, they got the stupid baby kid. And the fucking nanny takes the baby, throws it into a fucking tree. And then the baby turns into part, part of the tree. Yes. Um, kind of creepy, actually. I'm going to give yeah. credit here. It's very, it had a, it felt it almost had a dark crystal feel. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. It's, it's a dark fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have, then you see a, uh, uh, a nanny who's, uh, what is it, who's in the shadows. The yes. Scene where in the, 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 is in the shadows and then the dumb baby. Um, she says like a prayer type thing. She says like a prayer. Oh, yes. And she goes, they go to get some dinner. They have to come back, right? Yes. For her glasses, yes. For her glasses. The mother has um, left her glasses behind. And they come back and uh, the baby's gone. Yep, and then because uh, the the nanny sacrifices the baby, so yes. so far the Sheridans go to eat something. They come back at the last second. The nanny is taking the baby and chuck the baby <laughs> into the tree, and it yes. becomes a bark baby. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, uh, uh, here we go. Three yes. months later, I have, I have a point. I have a method by madness. So that whole opening scene's done. Yes. Three months later, we meet Phil. Phil is a marketing ad exec guy. Yeah. This is, and he goes to meet his new potential employer, Ralph, played by Wasted Miguel Fer- Fer- Ferrar. I believe it's called Ferrar. Of Twin Peaks. Um, yeah. Of RoboCop. <laughs> um, he, he gets hired. Then they decide, we got to move to L.A. because I took this new job. Then they meet the dork, Ned. He's the one who designed all the houses in the yes. area. Um, they decide to have sex in front of the fireplace at their house for the first time. She gets pregnant. Okay. Yep. Now she gives birth. So it's about nine months or twelve months later, actually. From no, nine months. Uh, uh, no, only uh, nine months later, but twelve <laughs> months from the opening scene. We're talking basic sassy, here. So we get the birth scene, which in freaking style is a real birth, by the way. Yes. I, just, I, I wanted to puke. You should yeah. have this birth. I think that's wrong. I still believe in the stork. <laughs> Why are you trying to tell me that's not the way it is? <laughs> so after she gives birth, they need a nanny. So they call the guardian angel agency, and there's this whole process, whole process of interviews. You know, kind of like yeah. they're interviewing Mrs. Trying to get Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. All right. So you have, you have all these different interviews, um, and then uh, we we meet Camilla, the tree witch, uh, but she doesn't get hired. They decide to go with Arlene. But all of a sudden, Arlene is in a really weird, quick bike accident, (laughs) and she's thrown Her head's busted open. Yeah, her head's busted open, and she lands on a cactus or something. Yep. I don't know. So, this is what's happened. Ready? Yes. We have the Sheridan's baby's taken and chucked into the tree. 
by the yep. evil nanny. Uh, the I can't remember the fucking last name again. What the fuck? See what I'm saying? You got the Sheridans, who, and then you got the Shel- the Sterlings. The Sterlings. There you go. The Sterlings. They have to. Uh, they he gets an interview. He gets the job. They move to L.A. She gets pregnant, gives birth, has to hire a uh, a nanny, and boom. That's where we're at right now. Yes. Guys, that was 19 minutes long. In any other film, that would be longer than 19 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I have never seen something so fucking rushed in my life. It kind of works, to be honest with you, but I promise you, when you in the nineties, Miguel Ferrar from RoboCop is would have had a bigger part. Something went wrong. Something went choppy. His character probably would have got killed. There would have been more meat on the bone here. Apparently, so, there is an extended edit of of this film. There has to be. Yeah, there is. Apparently, there. I haven't seen it, but I've only seen this this one that we're, this um, cut that we're talking about now. Uh, yeah, I can't find it anywhere. Um, I don't. Well, we might see it. Um, sadly, because of Rika's passing, he might get director's cuts that he never wanted yeah. people to see. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, now, you know, like with Kubrick and A Clockwork Orange, yeah, yeah. So they have to hire Camilla because the other one died. Hmm, what happened to her? It was so stupid. Circumstances. Her. Yeah, she had a pothole. Where's the mysterious circumstances on that? Well, it would have been. It would have been better if she kills her. Yeah, it would have been more effective. Yeah, like a pothole. Okay. So was that deliberate then? Then she falls on a cactus. I don't know. I think Weird. it's just the, um, like um, the way they decided to bump her off. But yes, if we had had like the the sort of original nanny who was supposed to take the job, the, the younger girl, um, you know, I don't know, be like grabbed by a set of hands or something, you know, that, that were owned by Camilla, but we don't see Camilla's face yet, you know, type thing that, that might have maybe worked, worked better. You know, you get the you get the you get the you get these uh, these nanny films, kind of or nanny esque films that were coming out. There's one yeah. a couple of years before the, uh, after this was actually quite good. Curtis Hanson directed called "The Hand That Rocks the Cradle." I was just going to say that apparently um, Jenny Seagrove wanted this to be more in that style of film, you know, like the Omen type thing, and um, she was told no by Universal. Um, then a couple of years later, the hand that rocks a cradle came out, um, and she said, "You know, I fucking told you so." You know, yeah, it was a yeah. huge success. You know, the hand that rocks a cradle. That's a good little film, actually. Mm, I've seen it in years. Yeah, I mean, it has like the cliches where the the husband, and it's weird because there, there's always these little earthquakes. And yes. So he goes to check on the baby, and there she's the baby's in the bath with Camilla. Mm-hmm. What's Jenny Seagrove's message would just be called? We're not. We're just going to call her Naked Lady. <laughs> the naked witchy sort of evil yeah. lady. Yeah. Hey, you know yeah. what though? Seductress. Yeah. I want to thank freaking for this, mm-hmm. for giving us a naked beautiful woman. Um, and that sounds perverted. For all <laughs> the films that Trevor loves, because he loves naked old people. <laughs> this is a, a, a breath of fresh air. Than what we get now, this sorry folk horror that's coming out lately. Ah, it's a refreshing killer tree <laughs> that does something. A sexy nanny, you mean? Instead and a of sexy a sexy naked person, yeah. rather than old people, old old asses in a stump. <laughs> so right. thank you, freaking. And thank you, uh, Volk, even though you didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, I would say as well that a lot of the naked scenes, they aren't even in a sexual context you know they're more well, just because she's a, a witchy woman that's <laughs> okay okay glenn fry um <laughs> nobody will get that reference i don't think you know whoa, witchy woman yes yeah, song yeah witchy woman it's witchy woman isn't it i'm not too sure is I'm it wichita saying. woman oh, fuck, i don't care oh, I don't all know. right so, Cliff Richard did um, devil woman you know so we could maybe go with that no it gotta be witchy <laughs> Right, but yeah, Just so the it's like woman. when, when she she he, he he walks in on her and he stares at her and he goes, oh, and it takes him ten minutes to leave. Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's still standing there about ten minutes. Sorry, I didn't yeah. see you there. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got the paper towels out. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then he takes the baby and 
she gets out of the bath to dry and we have to, and she's she pauses she's in like in like this pose and yes. she turns and she sees him staring and he mm-hmm. turns away it's yes. like fuck me this is stupid fuck off <laughs> it's well and no offense I'm, carrie lowell's gorgeous i mean yeah. carrie lowell i mean if the, if the wife wasn't you know well, i can't go there. i'd be rude but carrie carrie lowell is come on it's carrie, you got carrie lowell as your wife i mean she was bond girl she was a bond girl before this yeah L- 11 daylights no she wasn't License to Kill. License to Kill, yes. Yes, you're right. Oh, God, Trevor. Schoolboy error. You embarrassed us. <laughs> you embarrassed us. Schoolboy error. Uh, I was only I was only seeing it. I, I knew it was that. Um, I was only seeing if you caught on. <laughs> oh, fuck off. It was. Just, just checking. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I don't know. You know what's funny is... Yeah. Um, there's a scene where she's taking some time off. She's taking the night off, uh, and she tells uh, Kate, shopping or something. She tells Kate, "Yeah, I'm like, what's she doing?" Uh, Ned, the guy who's pervert on her. Yes. Go. No, wait. This isn't there yet. We're not there yet. No, before she goes shopping, which is we'll talk about that. There's a scene where it's I don't know. I mean, I like the deaths, but don't put the deaths in there and give us a bad reason why you have the deaths. So you've got you got Camilla and she's you know, having a little picnic with the baby. Yeah. And these three trailer trash show up. The rapist, and, the potential rapist guys. Yeah, I'm gonna rape you. I'm like, what the? F- what, where are you at? Yeah, here? yeah. It, it's uh, and they're very pantomime villain. It's almost like when as soon as they appear, they, they might as well just come out and say we're evil. You know what I mean? We're it's, badasses. They're yeah. even drinking beer, and it's it's very very cliched, and it's very sort of like they're you know they're drinking beer, and and they're just they're just downright bad guys, and you just know fine rightly they're gonna get fucking their comeuppance big time. Yeah, so it's like. Um, it's the set. It's the set. The babysitter up as yeah, a threat. I know, but it would have been better if Camilla walked into something, mm-hmm. like a crime, or another murder, like they killed a friend or something, and she's think, a witness. That would have been better than these three guys just harassing her. The, I think the problem is the scene could have worked, um, but what lets it down is I have to say it. Freakin's direction and also the acting by the three actors. Yeah, yeah. I don't like you said. I don't know what was in the original script or not. But this, I don't mind it being there. Yes. But the reason they're there should have been changed. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think if it had been better played out, it, it would have worked a lot better. And and it was more, he actually took the threat of the three men more serious. Um, but they're very sort of, it's it's pantomime villain type. Yeah, which, which it's is It's of the performances, because, uh, mostly. Well, what, what weird is, you got these kind of, Bad actors, yeah, and what they about to do to her is pretty graphic. They're gonna oh, rape yeah? her, and they gut her pretty good. Yep, they cut her. Um, but the, finally, a tree uh, does something, and I love <laughs> when he just rips a box the guy's head off, and then yep. the other guy gets just stumped. smothered, and yep. then the other guy gets like stump up him. Yeah, so the deaths the deaths work. Um, yeah, um, I I like to touch with um. Whenever she is cut, that her blood actually brings the tree. It's there's like a connection between her blood and the tree. So that's what what sort of springs the tree into action. You know, and they're pretty violent and gruesome deaths. Deaths, what you liked? Well, here's what I don't get then. So the next scene, there's a dinner party, and she's and she's serving right because the nanny's the cook too. I suppose right. Oh, she's everything. And, yeah, and then Ned hits on her. Yes, and she's got this big gaping wound, the knife wound. That's I mean, it's gaping. Yeah, and. And I was like, oh, you should go to a doctor. I'm like, this is... He would actually go, guys, we need to come in here. We need to get her to the hospital. <laughs> but I don't think he actually sees it. No, know? he doesn't see it. She's yeah. got, she has it covered up. Um, so, what I don't... And then she goes to the tree. You know, when, when Ned sees her, when he, she goes to the tree. Yes. And gets all fixed. Yeah. Why did she just do that then? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it was just the process of, you know, how long... It, uh, even though the tree can't heal... It's um maybe it was such a bad wound that it took time. Can't she put some like sap and bark on it? 
Uh, right, right, uh, baby bark. I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, but obviously the, the tree has sort of um, healing properties, especially with her, because she's. It's you know heavily suggested that she's very much connected to the tree, but also you know because it's her blood that sort of springs it into action. In fact, it's she's pretty much a uh, very much a part of the tree. They're almost like one and the same. Um, entity. She's just like um, you know, very much you know. Um, <laughs> The sort of uh, the twin of the tree, you know, maybe even the tree itself, but um, yeah, um, trees, man, fucking trees. Yeah, well, fucking uh, trees. I think I it was mean, just because it was such a deep wound um, on her stomach that it just took a bit of time, and also it works for the plot. Christ, I could be dendro- I could be what do you call? It? I could be a dendrologist because right? of all these fucking movies. A tree man. Yeah. Jesus. Fucking Groot, lumber, Groot. Lumber, lumberjacks in the lighthouse. <laughs> Bad floating headless people and old naked old people and stumps and hereditary. <laughs> Fucking hell. But yeah, so I do like the Ned scene and I think the direction is fun with this one. People think it might be a little long, but I think it works because it's creepy and the whole app is very atmospheric mm-hmm. when he follows her because he's a stalker at this point. <laughs> yeah. And Kate goes, oh, she's, she just left. She's going window shopping. With nice dressing heels at like midnight. In the middle of the night. In a field. Yeah. <laughs> in a forest. In, in LA. Where the fuck are you going? Yeah. Uh, so he follows I, I think she might have been just snipping down to her local sort of news agents for a pot noodle or something. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Ned sees her doing the whole fucking, she becomes the bark. Yeah. She becomes the tree and the... They, the, the coyotes appear. Bra- the, the surgical branches. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Take your head off. Actually, I didn't mind it. You thought that would be the stupidest thing. The tree's the best part, which is, yeah. you know. And some cool looking effects. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm very sort of gruesome deaths as well for some of the characters. Yeah. I like the coyotes, I have to say. Yeah, so the coyotes come out and they're well managed too. Yeah. Um, I thought they were wolves. So did I. Yeah. So... When Ned gets back to his place after running, which I don't know why he just didn't take a car and leave, but he gets back <laughs> to his place and there's nice little moments with him trying to call the police and getting cut off. And I thought he was a, a pretty annoying character, but I did feel sorry for him. When he did. It's well acted by by um, the guy who plays Ned. He's a comedian, Brad something. I think Brad Bird, yeah, Brad yeah. Hall, Brad Hall. Brad, he yeah. was on. He was on a skit show called Saturday Night Live for years. Yeah, yeah, I know Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, right. I didn't know he was a member of the team, and I don't know it's changed over the years. It's, it's long running, but uh, I know he's a writer also. But uh, he he performs this scene very well, and you really do. Although the character is a bit of a bit, you know, mildly stalkerish beforehand, you do feel sorry well, for him. Yeah, he's he's just a dork. Yeah, but yeah. You, you, first you're like, God, this guy's an idiot, and then when he does get it, you're like, Oh man, I kind of feel, I kind of yeah, feel bad for him. So, yeah. he, so he's yeah. clearly done his job acting wise. Yeah, on like the badasses from before. Yeah, so that's that's why it kind of throws me off. Yes, you mm-hmm. know, with inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he finally gets it with the wolves, pretty brutal. Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you see his hand. Coyotes, coyotes. Coyote, yeah, the coyotes. <laughs> I fucking just devour him. And there's lots yep. of blood. Yep. I like my blood. You give me yep. some blood, I'm happy. But what works about the film as well, and not only is pacing, it doesn't take 40 minutes for Phil or Kate to catch on to what's happening. Yes, and they, films like this, um, the main character can be pretty stupid and yeah. that all the signs are there for them to realize that, I don't know, it's a babysitter from hell. But usually in films like this, you know, like The Omen, for example, um, it takes basically right to the final act almost, but um, for them to work out that their their son's Satan, but um, yeah, with this they do work it out quite quickly. Yeah, and I think it help it helps that uh, before Ned's death he gets that that voicemail in. Yes. Now here's what I don't get. Camilla heard that voicemail before Phil did. Yeah. Why didn't she just delete it? I thought I, I thought she was going to, and I was surprised that she didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because she's a tree woman and she's not really tech <laughs> yeah. savvy. You know what I mean? She's used to, I don't know, you know, um, smoke signals or something or whatever people in forests do back smoke. in the day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Maybe she tried to, but she just couldn't work it out. <laughs> I, want, I want to see that scene. Yeah. 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 Losing her temper. Go fucking stupid fucking voice recorder. <laughs> uh, um. 
Yeah, so when there's a death, all the evidence disappears. Yes. I thought that was kind of lazy. The, 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 there's a there's a particular scene where she makes the blood disappear from the phone and stuff, um, which is a bit corny. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, and then Molly Sheridan, the original, the mother from the beginning, yes. contacts Phil. Yeah. No. No, no she yeah, does. no, no. She called, yes, and tells her, you need to wake up, smell your ass, because the bitch Well, that was another crazy. voicemail that um, <laughs> Jenny Seagrove should have deleted. Yeah, <laughs> what's going on here? You're not, come on here, Camilla. Yeah. You're not, you're not very good witch demon. Yeah, well, she's a witch demon. She's just not good with technology. I guarantee you. Which makes witch, sense, actually. I, I guarantee you, like, the, the witch trees, or the witch tree people are like, you dumb idiot. You could have fucking <laughs> deleted the message. I'd love, love to see that scene. Yeah. <laughs> they got these bark people going, what the fuck? You couldn't delete the message? <laughs> School guard error. Oh, my God. Camilla. Camilla. Yeah, so he goes to see her, and then she kind of tells her. I got confused here because she was hired by Guardian Angel, but Camilla's uh, never came from Guardian Angel, and all of her... Did she... She but she pretended she was from um my oh, okay. it is, that she wasn't actually from the guardian angel babysitting service but she was pretended confused. she was yeah so and and the only thing he's he decides to follow up with this because the kid says she has a birthmark on her stomach and yes he saw her naked in the bathtub so he also dreamt about her as well yeah so though yeah the love scene thing so actually um, actually whenever you think about it that that actually now that you just mentioned it that actually makes the bathtub scene actually make you know there's a real point to it then you know it comes it, into play later on yeah yeah there's so a little it's, rev- it's good writing yeah y- yeah makes sense uh, yeah just the way it's executed so maybe the direction was the issue mm-hmm. you know? yeah but well, I just well, can't see those movies where a girl is slowly out of the bathtub and she's slowly drying her legs and her ass is hanging out and <laughs> and, the, and the guy's just staring at her and, he, and at 10 minutes later he looks away like well know, we're talking about Ned being a stalker but yeah yeah <laughs> you know uh, yeah, but uh, I know what you mean yeah but it could be it could but be but it, fact- it does make sense later on because that's where he then seen the mark that the well, kid refers to no he saw the mark when he dreamed about her yeah but he would have saw it in the bathtub as well possibly I think could- that com- I don't know I think it's her her aura. Her tree aura? Her or or you can say okra. Yeah. <laughs> oak. Oh, that's a bad one. No, yeah. I just think she was just manipulating him. So he was. Oh, she was attempting to manipulate him. Attempting, but it, yeah. it backfires. Yes. Um, yeah, so I got confused. But it, and then there is a funny scene where she, they go, uh, I think it was the cop or something says to them when they go to the police, uh, do you. Did you check their resume of uh, their past from lawyers? Yeah, oh, the references no, and stuff. We never called. Well, yeah. that's kind of important. <laughs> so I'm assuming they thought the guardian angel would have done that for them. I, I think they were just so impressed. Well, they're uh, although they weren't that impressed with her because they hired the other girl, over, Arlene, the Arlene, younger girl, the, Arlene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, they didn't check the references, which is yeah, it's a bit of a stupid one. Yeah. Well, finally, he decides he's going to fire her because he also hears the voicemail. Yes. And so, I guess he doesn't realize he's barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> oh, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was waiting 40 minutes, people. 40 minutes talking about this film. And I finally got it out. Kieran is branching out in the comedy. Oh, Get it? God. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, oh dear! Yeah. Wow, Doing this podcast here with Trevor. <laughs> oh my god! Well, these are getting Mercy's puns. We're scraping. So, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, or the now, bark. You know, we we the the film we talked about folk horror. It plays a lot like because they do mention where Camilla in the beginning of the film with the Sheridans, she's telling the story of Hanson and Credel. Yes. And I think the reason they did that, A, the stupid witch lives in a tree, go figure. Yes, of course. But yeah. also, this does play more like a grim fairy tale. Yeah, a dark fairy tale. Yeah. You know? Oh, so definitely. I, I caught on to that in this viewing. Uh, you know? And again, I'm not saying it's a masterpiece, but I'm with it. You know? Mm-hmm. It's not boring. 
So the baby goes into hibernation sleep mode. Yes. And they bring it to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and so Camilla just walks in there and grabs it. Yes. That's pretty ballsy. Give her that. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. She, she's determined. You know, I, I have to say as well, Camilla has her motivations too. She's not just uh, I'm an evil witch and, you know, like a cardboard cutout evil witch. Um, in her belief and, you know, all this you know, to do with the, you know, the tree and the magic and the earth and all that sort of thing. Um, she believes that she's actually saving the baby and th- that the baby is going to become immortal and live forever through the tree. You know, so she, you know, it's well written in terms of her motivations and as a villain, if you know what I mean. When I, there's, and again, it goes back to the real life sort of druids and the paganism. Why didn't um, Phil or Kate call the police or security for that matter? For that matter, well, they did. The police do become involved. No, they don't. That's. Not, not when after the baby's taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, after the baby's taken. Yeah, you'd think their first protocol might have been to phone the cops. Um, but, yeah. Mm, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. And do you notice who's playing the cop later on? I can't remember. It's a guy from, he's also on Candyman. Oh, Tony Todd? No, it's not Tony Todd. Um, it's oh, his name escapes me at the moment too, and I've just like said, do you know who that is? Uh, uh, you have our audience really upset now. Yeah, they're all uh, excited. Who plays the cop number two in the Guardian? <laughs> no, he, he's the he's the he's the boyfriend, the sleazy boyfriend, um, of Virginia Madsen's character in Candyman. Oh, what is it you call him? Give me a uh, second. No, I, I don't wear it. I don't think anyone cares. Right, <laughs> I, I care. You know oh what I mean? Oh my god. Yeah. Um, uh, give me a second. I will um look it up. Um, I just have to get my sort of internet browser up here. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Speak away. Yeah, so, I, I get so this in the they, meantime. They, they separate. They go look for the baby. So yeah. Kate goes to the house. He runs into the forest, mm-hmm. and then nothing's there. There's a bunch of wolves seen with with Kate. Kind of yeah. Sorry, don't. And sorry, she, sorry, sorry. Coyotes. <laughs> oh yeah, coyotes. <laughs> And she jumps in the Jeep and fucking goes to the tree. I don't know how she found the tree, but she found it. Yeah. And she crashes into it and blood from the trees. Like, ah. And, but she's there looking for Phil and the baby. Yeah. Um, she's kind of. There's a nice shot where Phil is running toward the tree. Yeah. As Kate's still at the house. Yeah. And you figure it'd be stupid and funny. But it works with hair floating behind him. No, no, that's very creepy. Hair that, floating, so it is. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Not like hereditary, which looks like fucking thing on a wire. It's so stupid. No, uh, no but, the her, her um, um, floating is creepy and, and very well yeah. realized. Yeah, I think it works well, and they got that, and they and and they, and they use the fog machine well mm-hmm. here in this movie. They don't overdo it like some films do. You can't see yes, the actors. Yes. Um, gotta put more fog. <laughs> yeah. Gotta use more fog. Yeah. Um. But so they, this is where they, yeah, this is where they go to the police. Yes. Um, Xander Berkeley is the name of the actor who plays the police. Oh, man. Xander Berkeley. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I know him from 24. He's, God, he's been always oh, in the X Files and he, he's Terminator 2. Yeah, he's in loads of things. Yeah, doesn't he play um, John Connor's stepdad in Terminator 2? Yep. Yeah, yeah. While he's drinking the milk. Yes, that's right. And he gets uh, the T-1000 <laughs> sort of um, basically cuts him through the throat with his, pokes him through the throat with his <laughs> razor um, fingers. Yeah. So they never get the baby back mm-hmm. because the baby is now in the tree? No. No, no. The, um, she has the baby. Um no, no, no! I'm, sorry. I'm getting confused with the opening scene. So. Yeah, yeah. The the old the, the old baby, the opening scene baby is in there. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, got Their it. Their baby's generally um, fine, but Camilla's still after it. Now the cop does offer reasonable. I mean, I like again. It's not like they're laughing at them. Yeah, they they got their baby back. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Um, he's and so he's not making jokes of them. He just he, he's actually goes listen. Once you get, I'm more comfortable if you get a hotel room, and I'll get a cop. Yeah, yeah. He, and he seems we, more concerned about we, them. Yeah, and then why don't we get a psychologist in the yeah. morning? He's not the sort of that is actually legitimate 
something like Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, 100%. films, they'll go, ha, ha, Yeah, ha. yeah. And, mo- and most and films, it would be, like, the cat would be, get the hell out of here, and you know what I mean? You crazy bastards or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they decide, nah, we're just going to go home. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> yeah. um, where's the first? Because yeah. yeah, I think they assume Camilla's dead because she yes, ran. That's her exactly what it is. Yeah, against the tree. Um, but then he but decides to go out and um, with the chainsaw very, again, very some you know evil daddyish. Um, he decides to go out to with the chainsaw to destroy the tree. Yeah, he goes insane almost, and he's laughing when he's he's cutting it up, blood everywhere, very ash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is very Sam Raimi ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it works. And maybe the, maybe the, this the is cut, some the, of the, the maybe this is one of the fragments of the original sort of intentions for this film. Whenever Sam Raimi was on board, I don't know. Yeah, because it does have that drag me to hell, Evil Dead feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's cutting it up, and it's pretty gory. Yes. And so as he's cutting it up, we got Camilla going after Kate and the baby. Yes. Um, but it's kind of it's a great scene. There's a great shot where Kate's by herself. And you don't see her, but she's in the corner, yeah. Camilla. And she's kind of camouflaged because she's kind of like half bark. Which is full tree half, woman now. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of like a tree woman. And you don't really see her right away. It's a nice little shot. Yeah. And then as he's cutting up the tree, she's losing parts and getting cut and stuff. Yeah, it's, I really like the, 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 the part where um, basically he's cutting up the tree. And then her like it's, her leg flies off and stuff, you know. Yeah, it, it's yeah, well done. It's just, Very well done. Yeah. Just ripping her to shreds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so she, 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 and then as she's dying, she begins to rot. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, she flies through the uh, the glass, the pink glass, and that's mm-hmm. it. We don't see a... I don't, I'm not surprised we didn't get an after shot. I like, like, yeah, like a final I think skirt it, type thing? Yeah, I think, yeah, well, I think it'd be kind of cool if the ground... Mm-hmm absorbed her or something yeah yeah back into or, the earth you know, yeah yeah back into the earth because we never really see an outcome mm-hmm. we obviously we know she's dead at this point yeah but uh yeah there I have it yep yeah um uh, yeah i mean uh, uh, um, i think you know there's obvious you know problems that are well documented anyway um you know with this film but th- th- there is some good stuff in there too yeah, it's not a bad little film. Um, I think the problem is the reason it's got kind of poor reviews is because I think they expect more from William Freak. They were expecting another Exorcist. Yeah, they wanted Exorcist hard R, and uh, this is a happy medium between what Sam Raimi's vision wanted to be and um, there's editing problems as well. W- yeah, what William Freakin wanted to yep. do. So per Stephen Vogt was he, caught in the middle. Yeah, so you've got comedy, and then you've got horror, and he try and freaking try to make it his own by blend, blending it, and that's where like the hillbillies come in, yeah. um, which really doesn't work. I think the Ned character was supposed to. That's why you bring Brad Hall in; he's a comedic actor. You kind of bring him in to play like the slapstick goof. Yeah, kind of didn't work, even though you did kind of feel sorry for him when he gets yes. it. Uh, but the characters are all right. The acting was spot on. These are new up and comers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they seem to do their job, all right? I, like I said, there's some wasted moments. Like, you know, there's editing room issues without... You don't have Miguel Ferri and uh, Ferrar in there and nothing. He's in, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, two or three scenes, yeah. If that. And so, yeah, there's some... But, guys, it's an hour and a half. It's a decent little watch. This is much better than The Fucking Witch. Sorry. I, well, <laughs> I know you... I know you. Well, not that not rude, not, but, yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not here to argue those. But I'm sorry, it is. It's entertaining. It's fun. It's gory. I'm not going. Oh my god, you gotta see the Guardian. But at the end of the day, you got two incredibly talented directors behind this film that were going to do. Well, one was going to do it, but it got a you know better choice. Do Dark Man, and then you got freaking. He's like, oh, I'll do this. So there's something there, and they pulled off what they can. Yeah. And so I give it a little credit there. Uh, you know, so if you see it and you, you're available to rent or you get a copy for a couple quid, get it. It's not worth it. It's worth it. Not bad. 
Right, but um, in general terms, I agree with that. That I mean, there's editing issues, directorial issues. I would have to say as well with um, freaking surprisingly, um, but uh, I I don't think his heart was in it. Um, I think it was you pointed out to me before. Um, I haven't um, addressed it in this podcast that he was contracted to do another film for Universal. Um, it sounds like his heart wasn't one hundred percent in it. Freaking, um, so yes, there there are issues and problems, but there is. Some enjoyable horror moments, um, the coyotes, the, the gore and the blood and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to wrap this one up. Next up, we'll be talking about To Live and Die in L.A. Um, I remember seeing it. I remember the twist, which was phenomenal. I remember Willem Dafoe being fucking awesome. Yeah, he says. Uh, I remember Wang Chung. What an awesome soundtrack. Mm. So I'm looking forward to revisiting that one. All right, so uh, Thanksgiving shout this one, or listen, sorry. And uh, feel free to reach out to us at CitizenFrame underscore podcast on Instagram and, of course, on Facebook. Trevor's new novel is out. He's telling everybody. What a snob. <laughs> um, yes, it's a, just, it's a collection of my short stories. is Bad Dreams and Reflections. Um, which is out um, throughout the world um, from Amazon. It's available and other select stores, including the likes of Terror Trader, and um, um, there will be more to follow. There you go. Just give that, give that, a, give that a purchase. That way, he can give us the money from the book, and we can get better equipment <laughs> to, entertain, to entertain you all. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's a contract. That's a verbal contract. Well, right you know what I mean. No, 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 no. You can't change it. No takesy What? What's this space? <laughs> yeah. um, all right, guys. We're out of here. Take care of yourselves. Have a good one.